My name is Dacre Stoker. I'm the great-grandnephew of Bram Stoker, who's the author of Dracula. I'm the author of Dracul, along with J.D. Barker. You're listening to Horror Film Face-Off. The Long Box Crusade presents an action film face-off holiday special. Horror Film Face-Off. This episode, it's 1973 versus 2013. Two spooky films enter. One spooky film leaves. Two men enter. One man 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 leaves. Two men enter. It ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, then go on and get what you're worth. But you gotta be willing to take the hit. Welcome to a special episode of Action Film Face Off. It's Horror Film Face Off. This is a show where two random years are selected. My brother will bring a horror film from one of the random years, while I bring a horror film from the other random year. Then those two films will do battle. Using a variety of criteria, and a champion will be crowned by the end of the episode. Let me introduce you to one of your hosts, my brother, U.S. Army combat veteran of Kosovo and Iraq, Jason Vorhezel Skull Albrecht. Yeah, I see what you did there. <laughs> Still in the script from last Halloween. Okay. Yes, indeed. We are going to score each of today's films on a scale of 1 to 10 in five categories. Those categories are The Story. Overall spectacle, best horror action scene, the hero, and the villain. And then there will be the deduction round, where up to 10 points can be subtracted from that film's total for whatever we determine is the low point of the movie. But let's find out what this episode's first action film is going to be for my brother and co-host, a U.S. Air Force combat veteran of Iraq and a combat self-defense instructor, Jared Albrick, the yard sale artist, aka Scared to Death Probe. Yes, good, good. You know what? Here's a free combat self defense lesson for everybody out there. If you happen to find yourself in a horror film and you get the upper hand on someone like Jason or Michael or something like that, you get that solid wall up and they're kind of like laying there dazed. Don't be like, let's check his pulse. No, just keep walloping them until they're pretty much a stain on the floor. Okay, just press your advantage every time. I'm certain that would make horror movies shorter, but it's just a life lesson for everybody. <laughs> yes, I think you're correct. I think that we could, uh, we could have been spared many sequels if somebody had just followed that bit of advice. Small bit of advice. Anyways, before our two films enter the Video Dome arena, which possibly could be haunted, we are thrilled to kick off this episode with special shout-outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks that have joined our crusade. They get discounts from my online store, theyardsaleartist.com. Access to special long box episodes, voting on show programming, whole lot going on. These are the fine folks who are reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. This is where the fun comes in, Jason. Here we go. Here we go. And Helica Werewolf. Anthony at tfu.info.kill. Auburn Zombie Elvis. Blood Curdling Bill Beer. Blast it, or stash it, or slash it. Bob Ghostbuster. Braxton Undertaker Wood. Creepy Clinton Robinson. That one might stay. That, that might not just be Halloween. <laughs> that might be year-round. Oh, we love you, Clinton. Just stay in the basement. Dark David Collins. Battle hearse. <laughs> Battle hearse. The Duchess of Death. Gerald Soylent Green is People. <laughs> I'm laughing. I wrote these. I'm laughing. Greg Van Helsing Leuven. I, the Bone Collector. Igor Ivor Evans. Jeremy L. And the L stands for Lurid. I had to Google scary words to start with L. There's not a lot of them. <laughs> Jim keeps brains in a jar, man. <laughs> I'm proud of these. You stretch for that one. I'm cracking myself up. I wrote these. <laughs> Joe Thomas, musical murderer. Jarring John Watson. 
Jose Pollo Muerte. Josh Strickland of the Dead. Mischievous Mark Atherley. Maxwell Traver, good to the last drop of blood. Miranda W. The W stands for wicked. Poisonous Paul Hicks. Mummified Rick from Jeff and Rick Preserve. <laughs> I won't screwed it up. Grave Rob Morgan. Diane Ryan Daly. Sneaky Samantha Maney. Shaun of the Dead Urbanski. Slashing Steve Cronin. Timmy Vincent Price. Toronto Wolf Cop. And our one-time donor, Bradford Postmortem Morin. Everybody clap for Jared. <laughs> right for me. That was good. Those are good. <sighs> this is the one time of year I get to feel the pride that Jason feels when he writes the names of his action scenes. <laughs> oh, anyways, if we missed anyone on our list, we apologize. Keep in mind, we record these well in advance release. If you're a recent addition, we will add you soon. But no worries. You can let us know we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com. If you're asking yourself, how do I become a Crusaders Club member? I have an answer, and it's simple. You go over to patreon.com, search Longbox Crusade for as little as a dollar a month. Get access to the amazing world of Crusaders Club. Come check it out. All right. With that out of the way, let's get back to the combat and learn a bit about the film writers about to battle for your pleasure. This episode, I was assigned the year of 1973, and I have selected, and now the screaming starts. Starring Peter Cushing, Herbert Lom, Patrick McGee. What year did the randomizer select for you? Well, I got 2013, so I'm putting into our Videodome Arena, Frankenstein's Army, starring Robert Gwillem and Carl Roden. We've got a fine, fearsome matchup for this one, folks. It's important to point out that this isn't Jared versus Jason. We each had to select from our assigned year. So I might very well like his selection better than mine or vice versa. This is all about us discussing some beloved horror films. I say beloved, but this was first timers for both of us, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. It feels like the first time. Well, first timers for both Jason and I in this. Anyway, it's all about us coming to a consensus on which one is this episode's champion. And of course, we got to give you the spoiler warning. We're going to spoil the heck out of them. So we're going to give you a chance to pause right here. Go watch the two films and then meet us back on the other side of this musical break. He did the monster match. It was a graveyard. All right. Now that you've watched those two films, let me jump in with some quick info on 1973's And Now the Screaming Starts. It all began with a curse. A curse from the grave. The evil you did this day will be avenged. A curse of the dead hand. <laughs> the dead hand that crawls. Your cast and crew include Peter Cushing, Herbert Law, and Patrick McGee, Stephanie Beecham, and Ian Ogilvie. And it was directed by Roy Ward Baker. Here's your synopsis, which I absolutely pilfered online from a guy named Claudio Carvalho. I went to write the synopsis and I was like, oh, let me read what other people wrote to kind of inspire me. And I was like, this guy pretty much nailed it. So I just pilfered it. All right. So shout out to Claudio. It's 1795 in England, and a young woman named Catherine moves into the house of her fiancé, Charles Finn Griffin, out in the country. When she arrives, she feels interest in the portraits of the Finn Griffin family, particularly in the one of Charles's grandfather, Henry Finn Griffin, which seems to have a sort of evil entity possessing it. While admiring Henry's face, a severed hand attacks Catherine through the picture on the wall. It's a pretty cool scene. Later, she gets married to Charles, beginning her journey of mystery, eerie apparitions, secrets, and deaths, and having her days filled with fear and the nights with horrors in a cursed family. Here's your trivia. 
So the screen time of your top build stars, Peter Cushing, Herbert Lom, and Patrick McGee, does not exceed 28, 11, and 5 minutes, respectively. <laughs> Seems about right, yeah. Yeah, I picked this movie, and I was like, stars Peter Cushing. I was like, how can we go wrong? And then I'm in this movie for like an hour, and I'm like, where is Peter, Peter Cushing? <laughs> oh, goodness. He lied. He lied to us. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, they made a film and then added a little Peter Cushing. <laughs> See what I did there? Anyway, trivia number two. The project was originally entitled Finn Griffin all through the production process. Both the stars Ian Ogilvy and Stephanie Beecham later claimed having been astonished at the time, the title under which the film finally came out. Producer Max Rosenberg having set his mind on an apparently more commercially sounding one. And I got to say, if you look at it strictly by title, Finn Griffin versus <laughs> And Now the Screaming Starts, mm-hmm. which movie are you going to watch? And Now the Screaming Starts. What a great freaking title. That's why I picked this movie. Right, right. Yeah, holiday classics, you know, like Dracula, The Thing, I Know What You Did Last Summer, Finn Griffin. <laughs> what? <laughs> sounds like a fantasy movie. It's like something I see on PBS, man. <laughs> Trivia fact number three. This film was shot at Oakley Court, which is the previous home of Hammer Films. And as you noticed in the actors I mentioned before, there's a little bit of Hammer. There's a lot of bit of Hammer flavor <laughs> in this movie. But yeah, they were shot at Oakley Court, where three years later, the Rocky Horror Picture Show would also be filmed. Well, let's do the time warp again. All right. Well, let's warp it over to you. All right. I will now give you the rundown on 2013's Frankenstein's Army. Take the one on the right. Come. It's not far. If we get a move on, we can be there by noon. Do you see anything? Come on! Let's move down to the church. Something like this. Sewing dead people together. Giving them knives for hands. It's insane. Simple mechanics, engineering. Each one is still alive. Always misunderstood. The cast and crew included Alexander Mercury, Luke Newberry, Joshua Sassa, and Carl Roden. It was directed by Richard Raphorst. The synopsis is actually pretty simple. A squad of Russian scouts are sent to investigate the disappearance of an Allied unit when they come upon a deserted village. They soon discover to their horror that the town is under the protection of a group of grotesque cybernetics constructed by the insane Dr. Frankenstein. And uh, it goes badly for them, Jared. <laughs> it goes really, really it bad. So not a whole lot of trivia with this one. I have found out that the movie was originally supposed to be a horror comedy called Worst Case Scenario, in which zombie Nazis walk out of the ocean and threaten a bunch of beachgoers. It's significantly different from what I watched. <laughs> could have been interesting, though. I could have I could have I could have seen that. Yeah, I'd watch that movie. So for those of you that watched the movie, and I know you all have by now, you all saw the female little creepy teddy bear monster. Well, if you watch to the end of the credits, it's referred to as Frankenstein's mother. And that was his mother's body adhered to his teddy bear. Pretty creepy. That pretty much summarizes this whole movie. <laughs> yeah. 
I didn't know your trivia was also going to have a change of titles, but this one uh, changed its title at the last minute as well. And director Richard Raphorst was against changing the movie title because the film had been promoted since about 2006, so for about seven years before the movie came out, as Worst Case Scenario. So I don't know, man. Worst Case Scenario sounds pretty cool, too. I, I don't know if Frankenstein's Army or Worst Case Scenario sounds better. What do you think? Worst case scenario is a cool title for a film. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. But for this film, I'm all in on Frankenstein's army. <laughs> yeah, you know, now that you mentioned it, it's kind of like, I, I had no idea what it was about. Is We were kind of scrolling through like possibilities for the year 2013. And you're like, Frankenstein's army. I was like, hold. Okay. <laughs> I think I know what I'm going to watch. Why not? I have no idea what it's about, but give it a shot. World War II Nazis team up with Frankenstein. This is all right. Okay. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> like me. Why not? <laughs> all right. Tell them about match game, Jared. All right. Let me tell them about match game as we're about to get into the scoring portion of our show. It's the game within the podcast. We are doing two movies, five categories of Pete's, which means Jason and I could possibly match scores up to 10 times this episode. He has not seen my scores. I have not seen his scores. So let's get ready to play a match game. Place your bets, people. How many times are Jason and I going to match? And we'll keep track for you. Also, I want to give you guys a reminder as we are scoring. Our scoring system is a 1 to 10. If you get a 10, that means it's like perfect. If you get a 1, it's just awful. <laughs> a 5 is average, right down the middle. We often say 5 is what you'd see on a pretty decent made-for-TV movie. You know, services the story. Not great, not terrible. So now that your barometer is set, and we have the basics on today's contestants. Ladies and gentlemen, test your might. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. It's a street fight. All right. You know about match game. You know about the scoring. Let's get into round one. Let's do it. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. Round one is the story. How engaging or original is your story? I can't wait to hear what you have to say about this because both these had pretty decent stories, in my opinion. But what do you think? Yeah, I'll agree. I mean, starting with yours and now the screaming starts. Great title. <laughs> yeah, it's a great title. I thought the story was really engaging and it kept me engaged the whole way through. There's really a bit of a mystery tangled up in this horror, which I appreciated. You mentioned it right out of the gate. This is classic British horror. So, you know, there's some high class, you know, there's a little bit of a uh, little uh, sexual innuendo, and then there's a kind of cheesy horror mixed in with some kind of cool horror, too. So I thought it was well blended and, yeah, overall a really good story. I agree. Very British horror. I always consider British horror to be kind of a slow burn. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like very psychological and this fit nicely into that. I mean, I've seen a good amount of the Hammer horror films. Like I said, this is sort of almost incestuous with the Hammer production. You had a lot of Hammer actors. They're on a former Hammer set. It just felt like a Hammer horror movie. I'd never seen anything quite like it. I mean, I've seen things in a similar vein, but as far as its originality goes, I mean, from the get-go with that hand coming out of the painting and stuff, I was like, what? I mean, it really grabbed me. <laughs> <laughs> I got to hand it to him. yeah, yeah. yeah. You put your finger on it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I rather liked it. Jason, let's shift gears abruptly and <laughs> go to 2013 and tell me your thoughts on the story of Frankenstein's army. If another screaming starts was a slow burn, uh, <laughs> Frankenstein's army was a raging forest fire and somebody poured gasoline on it. That <laughs> thing starts out crazy and just gets crazier and crazier as the film progresses. I thought the writing was actually pretty cool. My best guess is that the writers of this film were inspired by the Nazi zombies video game from Call of Duty. I really a little from that and I, a little bit from Silent Hill. I yep, got a big Silent Hill vibe off of it. Yep, some Silent Hill vibe off of it. And I think a little bit of Blair Witch too. You kind of have yeah. that independent filming told by the perspective of the person with the handheld camera. So you get those shaky cam moments, which, you know, can sometimes be annoying, but I think in this case, they did a pretty good job with it. I really enjoyed it. Not a lot of 
super twists and turns in it. A couple, the reveal that the cameraman guy was an officer in the like the secret intelligence unit. That was kind of cool. That was a kind of a cool reveal. That part of it was really good. The weakest part of it was character development. There was a lot of potential with several of the characters in the Russian squad. For me, it didn't feel like it quite fleshed out. But overall, it was good, fun storytelling, and it was a thrill-a-minute ride. What did you think, Jared? Yeah, very video game, very comic book. Absolutely agree with you on the missed opportunity of characterization. If you think on movies like Saving Private Ryan or Kelly's Heroes, you automatically can remember almost everybody in the squad and what their personality quirks were. All these guys were cannon fodder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, right off the bat. Like, I like kind of like the sniper guy. He's kind of, go- oh, he's dead. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Don't fall in love with anybody. In fact, you can play a fun game basically at the beginning of the film, in case you didn't heed our spoiler warning, you didn't watch it. You can play a fun game. Like, try to pick out who you think is going to make it. <laughs> Your odds aren't great. Nope. I think one guy made it, if I remember correctly. And it would be the last guy you picked. Oh, there's a hint. It's called Frankenstein's Flippin' Army, man. It doesn't have to be Saving Private Ryan, clearly. It gives you what's advertised, and it ramps it up to 11. So I actually have a pretty good score for this one. Speaking of scores, let's go ahead and do it. What did you score the story of, and now the screaming starts? That was one that could have been a made-for-TV movie script but it was so well done and had so many kind of twists and turns to it i landed on a seven well we're coming out early folks match game i also scored a seven i feel the same way you did i was like yeah this could have boiled down to overly simplistic but the execution was real good so yeah landed on a seven uh, let's see if we can match one more time. Frankenstein's Army, like a little more, like a little less, like the same tune. What you got? Like this one, just a little bit less. Had good bones to it. Didn't really need a whole lot of twists and turns. Uh, gave us a couple good ones. At the end of the day, the character development or lack thereof kind of dropped it down a little bit for me. So I gave this one a six. Okay, no match game. I actually went the other way. I like this one a little bit more. I found the story to be a little more engaging, mainly because of its frenetic pace. I actually gave this one an eight. And if you know me, you can tell why. You know, I'm the guy who wrote Hamilton versus Burrow Werewolf Tale, available at the <clears throat> But, you know, I like crazy monster things. You know, take something and put a monster spin on it. So absolutely in my wheelhouse. So I know that I'm one of the few people who would probably give this story an eight. It just really appeals to me. I am not surprised at all that you gave this one an eight. <laughs> I, if we would have had match game on this, then people would have known this game is rigged. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair enough. And that's also the end of my round. All right. So that'll bring me to round two. You want to know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? The hero. How cool are the hero or heroes of the story? And we'll kick it off with, and now the screaming starts. Okay, your main hero is really Catherine Finnegan. I mean, that's how I saw it. Uh, There's her husband, Charles, who is also a protagonist along with her. But it's really focused around Catherine. And I liked Catherine, not just because she was gorgeous, but she had a lot of courage and tenacity she wasn't scared off of the drop i mean she was terrified clearly but uh-huh. she didn't let it dissuade her from solving the mystery is she super memorable i don't know i mean she's okay that's a hint as to my score what do you think yeah i agree i mean i kind of got a jane seymour vibe off of her pat just started paying close attention to this yeah episode. <laughs> She's definitely the main protagonist. She's the one that the story revolves around. Her husband, Charles, was okay. You know, of course, Peter Cushing comes in, and then that ramps it up a little bit there. I like Jared said at the beginning of the show, we've only got, what, 25 minutes of Peter Cushing? It's Mm -hmm. a great 25 minutes, but she pretty much has to carry this whole movie by herself for a large chunk of it. Mm -hmm. And I will say, you know, for the most part, she pulls it off, so... I give her a solid, if not spectacular, score, I think. I think we're going to be similar. There could be some match game happening. Well, what did you think about the heroes of Frankenstein's army, Jared? Well, you know, it's basically a squad of guys. 
there's not really any standouts because they didn't spend a lot of time on character development, which as we mentioned under story, you know, it is one of the weaker spots of the film. So what could have been a very high score did take a little bit of a hit because they're kind of interchangeable. If you ask me right now, like what order the soldiers died in aliens, I could get pretty darn close to tell you what order they died in. <laughs> I could do better and get you darn close. I, I think I might get 100%. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you ask me to tell you what order these guys died, they're almost all blank slates. So that definitely hurts its score. But, you know, they were fun to watch. There were a couple that were more interesting to me than others. And then, unfortunately, some of the ones that seem really interesting to me, like, died like, right away. Like, real soon, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I like the old guy, the, the one that was, like, their squad leader. Yeah, I did, too. Yeah, he dies, like, right away, uh, grotesquely. And it's... <laughs> it's like, uh Okay. Yeah, of the original group, as the movie began, he was my favorite. And then I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess yeah. we're going without him. Well, and then they start kind of started going and, and you start kind of getting like this interesting character study of, of Sergei. And Sergei was Polish, I believe. Mm-hmm. And that sounds right. He was a little bit of an outsider with the group, but he kind of had the leadership characteristics. And you're like, OK, well, he's going to step up and oh, nope, he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, clearly the something. Oh, nope, he's dead. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sniper guy, he's got no, he's got. Basili was kind of the hot headed temper one. Mm-hmm. I liked him too. And I thought we were going to kind of go with this dynamic because Vasily was really against Sergey, the Polish guy that kind of ends up taking charge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were at odds. Yeah. Yeah, they were really at odds because, you know, Vasily's like, this guy's not even Russian. And Sergey's like, screw you, I'm next in charge. And they kind of like have this debate amongst themselves as a group. And you're kind of thinking, okay, well, this is going to be some interesting tension between Sergei and Vasily. And Vasily, he's got a hot temper, but he's very brave. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, these guys are going to forge a bond and come through. Nope. You know, this never develops. It's <laughs> like they start leading you down these paths with them that just never develop. I guess you can make an argument that maybe it makes it more realistic. It really does break a lot of the stereotypes of the films, but for me, I found it a little bit jarring. So, anyway, that's kind of where I landed on the heroes of Frankenstein's army. All we got to do is score it. So, going back to and now the screaming starts. What are you going to give your score for the hero? I gave Catherine a six. I originally pegged her as a five. Like she was a good made-for-TV character. Like we said, that's the barometer. She got the job done. And then I gave it the uh, cushing pushing, if you will. And uh, <laughs> I, I bumped it up to a six. We can say match game again because I gave her a six as well. I thought she did a fairly good job of carrying most of the action. Frankenstein's army. What are you giving the heroes of Frankenstein's army? Were there heroes really? <laughs> <laughs> it's a very gray area. You know, much like And Now the Screaming Starts, fine for a made-for-TV feature. And just interesting enough for me to add one point. So I landed on a six as well. Well, we're double match game because I kind of felt the same way. I, I thought it was better than average, not quite getting into the great category. So I landed on a six for me as well. Well, that sounds like that's the end of round two. Let's move into round three. Round three is your villain. How menacing is your villain? How cool is your villain? How memorable is your villain? Talk to me about And Now the Screaming Starts. Jason. So the villain and Now the Screaming Starts. Complicated. (laughs) This is complicated. Because it kind of starts out with the hand, but the hand belongs to the forest guy's grandfather. Grandfather, I think. Grandfather? And then the grandfather of Charles was the one to cut off that guy's hand. It's all very complicated. It's very nuanced. There's lots of ins and outs. But at the end of the day, the a-hole grandfather that basically raped the forest guy's wife and then chopped off his hand for having the temerity to try to defend her 
kind of set this whole thing up himself. So I don't even know if I would call the hand and the forest guy the villain. Yeah. It's kind of hard to say. But then the ghost, I think it was the ghost. <laughs> the ghost of the forest guy's yeah, grandfather. <laughs> Keep it up with this. Yeah, people? like he's the one that like impregnates Catherine. Yeah. Which is kind of an evil thing to do. So yeah. I was like, his Catherine didn't have anything to do with this, man. I mean, she just kind of caught up in this curse, I guess. So I felt a little confused and conflicted, this whole thing. It was very complicated. Let's talk about the forest guy for a minute. The forest guy kind of looked creepy and imposing, and he had that rash or scar or whatever it was. A birthmark, I think. Birthmark on the side of his face. That is a hella birthmark, too, man. It was, yeah. <laughs> that was good. Like, holy cow. Then he would talk. And I'd just be like, it does not sound like I'm this or imposing at all. So he'd be like, I'm going to rape you and have you bear my ghost, baby. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? It's like a British Mike Tyson trying to scare me. You know, <laughs> Physically, you're very imposing, but then you talk and I get confused. That's just kind of a way to say, I thought the villains were interesting, but a little complex for me, Jared. Yeah, I'm not going to add a ton to that because... Just listening to us try to describe that should tell you everything you need to know. And on top of that, one of your main villains being played by Herbert Lom, who I mainly know as the chief inspector Dreyfus of the Pink Panther movies. <laughs> Just, it's really off-putting to see him be such, I mean, he's not the nicest guy in the Pink Panther, but I mean, he's so evil. I mean, he raped that guy's wife on their wedding night and chopped off his hand like it was his fault. And you just hate him. You just hate him. Right, and he did it just because he could, just because he was bored. Yes, I mean, really, he was like, bored and drunk with his buddies, and it's just disgusting, and it was hard to watch. I, I didn't like that scene. I didn't either. Too. So it's weird, and that's all I'll add to that, and we'll move to Frankenstein's army. If you thought this was weird, <laughs> hold on to your butts, because it gets weirder still. No, actually, this one was kind of like a little bit more, I don't know, I could wrap my head around this one. Yeah, it is more there. cut and dry. Yeah. So essentially, you've got this town where Frankenstein lives. He's obviously a mad genius. The town is kind of on the front. So it's kind of been fought over between the Russians and the Germans. And so Frankenstein has taken to taking the bodies of the slain soldiers, be they Russian or German, and fusing them with technology to kind of create these zombie monsters, mecha monsters, which look hella cool, just crazy and creepy as all get out. And then Frankenstein himself, like the actor that plays him, Carl Roden. Oh, wow, he did a fantastic job because he kind of comes off as that almost like Santa Claus, you know, at first, like just kind of like this nice guy but you just know that there's something really creepy and off-putting about him as he just kind of descends into madness and you follow him from his little apartment down deeper and deeper into this little manufacturing plant that he has for his little mecha army it just gets more and more disturbing as it goes so this guy is a straight up grade A villain, and you'll see a pretty decent score for me on this. Yeah, in case you haven't used your context clues, listeners, it's Victor Frankenstein. It's not like the monster Frankenstein, but Victor Frankenstein building all these monsters. You probably figured that out. And Jason's right. The actor did a great job. I think we just kind of met him kind of like, and now the screaming starts. You don't even really meet your best guy until maybe the last third of the movie. Mm -hmm. Yep. Like the third act. Yeah. I would have liked to see more. He played it really well. His Victor Frankenstein was very good. Not necessarily anything to do with the actor himself, but I did like whoever the production design, maybe it should more go into spectacle, but whoever the production design person was, who was basically dressing the sets. There are lots of interesting things to see in the backgrounds of his various rooms. They speak to his personality it's really quite good. He's definitely a decently memorable villain. That's for sure. And we do see him in kind of in the first act. Uh, we don't know it's him. We think he's just, and the soldiers think he's just a villager, but. Uh, I thought he was just a villager. I didn't realize it was the same guy. <laughs> yeah, no, that was him. Yeah. 
Oh, I got duped. I got yeah. duped, Pat. <laughs> yeah, he duped us. He duped us all. I didn't realize it. I thought that guy was a villager. Man. That, that was him. Yep. I was duped. All right. Well, with that, let's score them. Let's go back to the really weird villainy of And Now the Screaming Starts. One to ten. At the end of the day, I can't go higher than a six. I think that there are some good physical menace from the villains, I guess, of this movie. The hand was the scariest thing for me. Probably, maybe I should have talked about that more, but the <laughs> disembodied hand I, I thought was really kind of scary, but kind of funny sometimes as well. But yeah, I'm going to land on a six for the villain of And Now the Screaming Starts. Well, we have reached our fourth match in match game because I also scored it. Six. Frankenstein's Army. What do you think of Victor von Frankenstein or Frankenstein, however you want to pronounce it, and his menagerie of creepy creatures? Well, starting off with Victor himself, we talked about it. He did such a great job. He duped you at the. I got duped. Mm -hmm. He duped you. You know, he comes across as cheerful and then gets progressively weirder and stranger and scarier. And by the end of it, I'm just like, this guy's out of his GD mind. That's Victor. The monsters he creates, fantastic. Mm-hmm. They spent their money on making monsters. <laughs> Holy cow, yeah. I remember the one scene in the movie that got to me was near the very beginning when they're in that big open bay and they just turned on the power. And then that long-legged kind of winged creature mm-hmm. thing comes from the ceiling. And it's just silent. Silent. It's yes. just like, I was, it was so silent. I was like, is that what? Did I just that? see it? And then all of a sudden, <laughs> oh, hell breaks loose. And it's just, that was one of the most fantastic use of creature effects I've seen in a long time. So hats off to them. And that's a long-winded way of me saying I'm giving this one an eight. Do you guys like your match game? Because we have another one. I also gave it an eight. We have now five matches and still two official rounds to go. Well, let's go into round number four, and let's talk about overall spectacle. We all go a little mad sometimes. How visually engaging is the film overall? Let's talk about stunts, the effects, cinematography, musical score. Let's talk about the backgrounds that Jared alluded to earlier. Let's talk about, and now the screaming starts. Jared, what do you think about the overall spectacle? I think Frankenstein's army is going to destroy it now the screaming starts in terms of spectacle. Probably, yeah. But it's not bad. You know, if you want that hammer horror film of the 60s and 70s feel to it, you've come to the right place. It's got just enough spectacle to capture that vibe, which is a wonderful vibe. Just enough spectacle to keep me interested. You know, I wasn't jumping on my phone during it. I was tuned in, you know, has a lot to do with sort of the taught storytelling, I suppose. Uh, Another tip of the cap to both these movies is is neither one of them runs long. So it had decent spectacle, slightly above average, if you want to take a guess at what my score is, but nothing super blow me away. Just good hammer-esque spectacle. Yeah, it's kind of an unfair comparison between these two movies. Even though they're both the horror genre, they're two different types of horror. One relies a lot on spectacle, where this one relies more on the story, the mystery, and the suspense. And they do a really good job with the suspense. And the spectacle that there is is fairly decent. You know, I think we talked a little bit about the hand that pops out of the painting on that early on in that scene. That one made me jump out of my seat. I'm not going to lie. I thought there was some really good spectacle when the maid's trying to help her and gets the book from the bookshelf. And then the whole house just starts like turning against her Mm -hmm. and she gets like thrown down the stairs. I thought that was pretty interesting. There's some good stuff to see here, but at the end of the day, it's going to get creamed by by Frankenstein's (laughs) army. That's true. Let's do the mercy rule on this, and let's talk about Frankenstein's uh, army. What would you think about the overall spectacle there? It's a spectacle movie. It's almost a spectacle movie before a horror movie. It takes us maybe 15 minutes to get to the action, and once it starts, it does not stop. It is constant. The creature effects we've gone on and on about, the use of the sort of found footage style, normally that kind of puts me on my guard. When I first saw that, I was like, oh, man, because Blair Witch gave me a splitting headache. This movie, with all its frenetic pace and its handheld camera, actually didn't give me a headache. I stopped noticing it after a while. 
only started would notice it when you could tell the filmmakers wanted you to remember it. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It, it is a spectacle film. I mean, if you're like just nonstop pedal to the metal, take Silent Hills creepy vibe and then just put on it the crazy pace that we had last year with the hitcher you know how that was kind of just go 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 that's what you get and it's it's incredible kind of like you i saw that that it was going to be that handy cam style a la blair witch and my first instinct was hell no i'm sorry i just can't take that by about 20 minutes into blair witch i was ready for the the witch to kill those kids <laughs> just like, Get him! You get him! Hurry up! Get it over with. They're all gonna die. We all know they're all gonna die. So just do it. But you're right. This one seemed to be done a little bit better. Kind of like you. I stopped noticing it, except for when you're supposed to notice it. And when you do notice it, it almost makes it look like you're right there in the middle of the action, like a first-person shooter. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of that scene where they first encounter the monsters in the tunnel, kind of like the tunnel yeah, area. Yeah. Exactly. They're running down hallways and stuff. And you're like, Oh crap. Oh crap. And then it, you'll turn the corner and there'd just be this new monster. Right there. <laughs> and you're like, Oh, <laughs> you're like, how, how are we going to get out of this boys? And you're like, I'm not even really in this, but I feel like I am. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that it was really well done. I think the only, and maybe this is more towards the story than the spectacle, but it just seemed like, Nothing they did had any effect on these monsters. I would have, I would have liked it if I felt like they had a chance. But bullets just bounce off these things. Like I guess grenades did a little something, but it just seemed like these monsters were a little bit unkillable there at the end. And I yeah, don't now that you mentioned, I think they only killed maybe one, or at least damaged it to the point where it didn't it drag itself off for repair or something. Yeah, like that. something like that. It's like, good yeah, lord, man. Yeah, I guess that's just a minor quibble, though. So, all right, well, let's get on there and let's score it. What are you going to score the, and now the screaming starts? Like I said, I think it was a little better than average because of that hammer feel, and I went with a six. Yeah, we'll match game that up again because I felt the same way. Again, you kind of got to give it a little bit of historical context when you're matching 1975 against 2013. Obviously, you're going to just have better crisper effects more options and i liked what they did with the options that they had some of it came across as a little cheesy but for the most part well above average so six for me as well what about frankenstein's army roll it out roll the bones roll those bones and jason i'm going all in i'm giving it 10 points flawless victory because wow you're going all in all in, in because it is a crazy pace in it's something I had never seen quite like that before. And they just went, they went all in on it. So I'm going all in for them and I'm giving them 10 on spectacle. It is a spectacle movie all the way. Wow. Okay. I didn't quite go that crazy, but I went eight. I thought that it was well above average and it held me enthralled throughout the film. Some of the more gory scenes, and this is just my taste could have been toned down a little bit, but if you're into that sort of thing, <laughs> you'll probably give it a 10 to. But for me, I'm going to land on an 8. I totally understand. All right. That's the end of round four. Let's get to round five. They mostly come at night. Mostly. Round five is the best action scene. Jason, do your thing. Break it down for us and the listeners for And Now the Screaming Starts. Not a ton of action, but some taut moments, I guess. There's a bunch of taut moments sprinkled throughout, but I kind of I kind of have it down to five. So the first one that really got me jumping out of my seat, we talked about it, hand coming out of the painting. I call that hand-drawn painting. <laughs> so then the next one kind of comes up shortly after that when she gets locked in the room by the little ghost hand, and then the ghost hand like starts choking her and everything and slapping her around. I called that one five-finger death punch. <laughs> The third one, and I got to give this one up to you. This is going to be a deep cut for all you Prince fans out there, but that's the one where the maid tries to give the little book of clues to the woman, and then the house, the whole house, like, turns against her. We're going to call that one Housequake Shut Up Already Damn. <laughs> I still thought it was funny, even though I came up with 
So then the other one was one I found kind of disturbing. It's kind of what set this whole story up to begin with, where the Mm. lord of the property goes to get, like, first rights, I guess, on this guy's wife. Mm. And, uh, yeah, bad things ensue. Uh, I call this one, uh, and then because he chops off the guy's hand, I call this one giving a guy a hand on his honeymoon. (laughs) It's awful. It's terrible. It's terrible. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's funny, though. (laughs) That's not funny. Not What happened was not funny. Comedy can be complicated, folks. (laughs) And then finally, when all the stuff goes on, and finally Sir Charles loses his ass and just goes and busts open his grandfather's grave, takes out the skeleton, and just starts wailing on this skeleton. (laughs) He's not making it up, folks. The guy fights a dead body. Yeah. And it's not like a reanimated corpse. It's just a dead body. <laughs> a dead body. I call it shake them bones. <laughs> All right, Jared. I gave you five. Which one are you picking? Or wait. Uh, or are you my picking first? I don't remember. I don't. You know what? Tell me which one you pick. I'll tell you which one I pick. Then we'll double back and score them later. God bless. I'm going to have to go with. I'm going with shake them bones, man. <laughs> <laughs> You can't look away because you're like, is this really? I'll tell you why. It's really disturbing. And it, but what really sells it is Peter Cushing. You know, this is one of the 25 minute scenes, <laughs> the 25 minutes of scenes that he's in. And he goes running out and it's like raining. And it's like, and he tracks this guy to the cemetery and he busts into the cemetery. He's like, stop. You're desecrating this grave. And the guy moves to him like he's going to, like, if you try to stop me, I'm going to brain you with this hammer. And Peter Cushing does this, puts up his finger, it just backs away. Yeah, he's like, all right. <laughs> yeah, just, and then lets the guy go about doing his business, which is the most realistic thing I think I've ever seen in the movie. <laughs> and it's like, man, with Peter Cushing, even like, putting out looks cool. <laughs> you know? So, so yeah, I'm going to go shake them bones. I would not have predicted that. I guess the movie has a bit of an unfortunate balance for me because I like hand-drawn painting. Like from the very beginning, that was like, what? I you know, that, that one. Yeah. That was just, you know, real intense grabber right there at the beginning. Well, and it's like you said before, you know, I started watching this thing and I was like, okay, it's going to be one of those, you know, the slow burns. Mm-hmm. And this came early. It did. Like, Earlier I than like, I thought it would. <laughs> like, it, like, holy cow. So yeah, it was good. It was a good little mix up of the usual pacing there. So, I was really thinking hard on that one, too. Yeah, so that's where I went. Can't wait to hear what you got for Frankenstein's Army. It's pretty much one long scene, so I just... <laughs> just it is. It really is kind of one long scene, because it all starts both metaphorically and literally when they flip the power on. So I called that one Power On. Mm-hmm. Power On, the monsters come to life. That first one comes dropping out of the ceiling, silent as a tomb. Ooh. Craziness ensues. And then... They split up into the two teams. Vasily takes that team to where they first meet the doctor, where they just think he's a villager, and he traps them in what I call Tunnel of Blood. That was just freakish. Yeah. Claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. And then we go to, I will just call it All of Act 2. All of Act 2 is just... <laughs> yeah. Basic. Once Tunnel of Blood gets going, it doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of slows down and goes into, I think you called it best, Jared, the commando mission. And I think you gave it the best nickname. I'm going to I'm gonna steal yours. I dropped a metal gear solid in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> there is just freakiness and freakiness around every corner. And then we're going to finally go to the end where we finally see Dr. Frankenstein, you know, for real as he truly is. And I call that one Soup Nazi. <laughs> Because he was trying to make that guy eat soup. Yeah. Of questionable ingredients. I don't think there's any question. <laughs> that was people soup. Soil and grain. All right. Which one did you like best? Tunnel of Blood. I thought Tunnel of Blood to me was the most visceral action scene. I felt like I was in that scene with them. I was on the seat of my seat. Mm-hmm. As we say on the network, I too was on the seat of my seat for Tunnel of Blood. So. We are in agreement. Doubling back to 1973, what are you going to score your favorite scene? Which 
<laughs> if you watch that scene just out of context, you'd be like, even with context, you're like, what the hell? It's even I, I was. I was just like, what is going on? <laughs> anyway, so you had Shake Them Bones or? Shake Them Bones. Shake Them Bones. Okay, what'd you score it? You're not going to give Peter Cushing anything less than a six. He gets a six. Uh, <laughs> and he didn't even do anything. He just put up a finger and said, yeah. He went in like he was going to stop him. And then that guy, like, that guy had crazy eyes. And he's like, you know what? You go ahead and do you, man. I picked hand-drawn painting from the get-go. And I'm sad now because we match-gamed on every round but the last one. I just gave it a five. I thought, you know, all the quote-unquote action scenes of this movie were fives. Just fine for a made-for-TV movie. Didn't blow me away. So we were one scant point away from match gaming every single round for And Now the Dreaming Starts. <laughs> well, you know. But my scene okay. didn't have Peter Cushing. If it did, yeah. I might have bumped it to a six. Peter Cushing's hand coming out of there, it's a six. <laughs> All right, Frankenstein's Army, we both picked the Tunnel of Blood. Whew. Intense. What'd you give it? Man, I landed on a nine. I know I gave the overall spectacle an eight, but this piece of it was so well done. As far leaning forward on the couch as I was at this point, I couldn't give it anything less than a nine. I was really invested too. I gave it an eight. Almost talked me into a nine just then, but I didn't want to cheat people on Mash Game because I had written down an eight originally. But you're right. It is really engaging. It's a super engaging scene, so... I did give it an eight, though. I thought it was, you know, eight's very strong. I thought it was a yeah. very solid scene. Yeah, really yeah. Uh, it's, it's a great score, too. So so there uh, we have it in our regular scoring rounds. And, you know, we got one more round left. Let's see what happens. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing. All right. Well, we're going to go into round six, the final round, the deduction round. We're going to take point off for the ridiculous. Jared, what are you taking off of? And now the screaming starts. I'm certain there was something in there that was ridiculous, but I can't, I can't remember anything that jumped out at me, so I'm leaving it alone. I have no deductions. I'm going to take it off at one point for that dude's voice, man. It's just, <laughs> yeah. just All like, right, then. I'm going to kill you. Yeah. I've got two hands now. <laughs> Would you like to see the other one? <laughs> well, missus. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jeez. That's a funny thing to deduct a point for, but I, it amuses me. I literally just kind of cracked up. I was like, this guy is not scary at all. <laughs> they needed a Darth Vader, that guy. That's what they, they needed to have James Earl Jones be like, I have two hands now. I have two hands now. <laughs> I like it. What about Frankenstein's army? Are you taking anything off of that one? We do call this the reduction for the ridiculous. And this whole movie is ridiculous, but in the best way possible. So I'm not <laughs> taking anything away. Not a thing. I agree. I think that there's comes a point where you get enough negatives, it becomes a positive. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I think we've we've come full circle. We've just <laughs> we have so many ridiculous scenes that it's gone full circle and come around to positive. So nothing for me is as well. Matter of fact, I really like the end where it's shook. okay. Full spoiler. Out of all the ones that survive, it's the weakest little kid. <laughs> yeah. And he becomes like stout, like there's that big old mural of Stalin with him standing. That's right. He becomes a national hero. Yep. Yep. He's the one that pulls it all off. That's awesome. It was quite good. Well, that is the end of all of our official scoring rounds. You know, before we get into the math that we do for you here at Action Film Face Off, I just want to give a big shout out because we have upped our female listenership by 300%. Jason. <laughs> That is incredible. <laughs> we have to give a shout out to, of course, Laurel, the mountain flower. Statistician. She's not our statistician, but <laughs> What? I thought we'd resolve this. And we need to shout out for Angelica Wolf. She's been listening for a while now. But oh. Yes. You know, I based this off of our AFFO Twitter account, and she's over there chatting on Facebook, so I missed it. Sorry about that, Angelica, but we appreciate your listenership. And I think I recently talked Michelle Bush into giving it a listen. She's an Auburn person, War Eagle Michelle, and uh, hopefully you did. Hopefully you tune into this episode and get to hear your shout-out. Thanks for joining the ranks of our ever-growing female listenership army. That's pretty awesome. That makes me feel good. That's right. We're like real people now. <laughs> we're not just boys with toys. Well, we are, but <laughs> yeah, anyway. It's like, yeah, we're still that. 
Let's get back to that math. Looking at the judges' scorecards, the champion of the second annual horror film face-off with a score of 77 to 60 is Frankenstein's Army. Well, congratulations to Frankenstein's Army, the new Halloween winner for our second ever horror film face-off. Indeed, indeed. And side note, Jason, when I added up all the scores, you and I scored, and now the screaming starts the exact same thing. We both gave it 30 points. We did not match game in our last round, but you did a minus one and I didn't, so our scores came out equal. Now there it is. And while I've got the mic, let me jump in real quick. And we've got some business to take care of. What? Two episodes ago, we did True Lies versus Return of the Jedi. We promised a giveaway of the Han Solo art print that I drew and my friend Ken Solo colored. We cleverly called that hashtag Han Solo Solo. And so it is now time to put some names into a randomizer. Uh-oh, here we go. But you know who has that uh, original. Yeah, well, you do. I do. Hanging up in the wall of my bedroom. We had, uh, it looks like, four people put in for it, so I've got a random order set. Pick a number between one and four. Number one. Number one. Oh, looks like we're paying Canadian shipping. (laughs) Number two. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. We want to say thank you for listening to Siskoid from the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Thanks for listening. Thanks for commenting and playing along with our hashtag game of Han Solo Solo. Yeah, thank you. That's great. Congratulations. Definitely, definitely. And one more piece of information that could be a big win for everybody. As of now, you know, these things are always subject to change. But as of now, you can watch And the Screaming Starts in its entirety for free on YouTube. So enjoy 1973's And Now the Screaming Starts if you want to go check it out. I always tell these people these things too late. I should tell them before... The spoiler break, <laughs> so that they can go find it easy. That's right. Now that we spoiled it all for you, go have a watch. Go watch it. It's on YouTube for free. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, you can see hand drawn painting. You can see the five finger death punch <laughs> scene. Housequake, shut up already. Damn, you can see it all. It's all there, all for free on the YouTube. Anyway, now let's head over to the randomizer and find out what the years are going to be for our next episode. My brother Jared will be pulling a film from. Choose your destiny. Nineteen eighty, and I will bring a film from Choose Your Destiny. Nineteen ninety-two. And what will those films be? Well, we're gonna tease them on social media for those of you who want to watch before listening. And we're talking to you, Dave. Keep up with us now, or you can tune in next episode to find out. Until then, I'm Jason Weasel Skull Albrick, and you can find me on social media at Weasel Skull on Twitter or Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram. And you can find me, Jared Albrick, the Yard Sale Artist, aka Death Probe, at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Parlor, YouTube. It's all Yard Sale Artists. Come check me out. Speaking of checking things out, make sure you check out all the shows under the Long Box Crusade umbrella. All you got to do is check out Longbox Crusade on your favorite podcatches or go to longboxcrusade.com. As usual, if you want to send us a question, comment, be part of the discussion, tell us we're wrong about our scores. We're okay with that, too. We encourage you to head over to Twitter and check out at AFFO Podcast. You can also comment at Longbox Crusade on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and we'll be happy to chat with you there, too. But we have a dedicated Twitter account, which is at AFFO Podcast, wherever you want to comment. We'll chat with you. And speaking of chat, if you want to interact with us via live chat and be entered to win some free stuff, join our episodes of Doing It Live Stream over on YouTube, 3.30 p.m. the second Sunday of every month. Unless it falls on a holiday, we'll bump it back a week. And we are just doing whatever we want and having some fun. And most importantly, chatting with you guys in the chat. We chat to the chat. It's like a chat back. That didn't make sense. Whatever. You get what I'm saying. Check us out on YouTube. Just look up Longbox Crusade. Give us a subscription, won't you? And with that, thank you guys for tuning in. We appreciate you listening. And until next episode, keep your silver bullets handy. And your garlic fresh.
from the finest pedigree. Find a legacy, got all my opponents never see me. The intro and outro theme to this show and all of our action film face-off shows are done by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it. Wherever you go, whatever (laughs) you do, God will be right here waiting for you. I can't remember what song I used last year. I'm sure I changed it for Halloween, but I don't remember. How my heart breaks with your wooden stakes. I will be right here waiting for you. <laughs> free. You don't even have to pay for it. I mean, Crusaders Club members chip in, but most of you guys don't have to pay for this. Oh, my gosh. All right. You know about match game. You know about the scoring. Let's get into round one. Let's do it. I actually had to look at my notes just now to see what round one is. This is episode. <laughs> yeah, for 27 episodes. Wow. Thing. wow. <laughs> All right, here we go. Moving Was over. that a Peter Cushing reference or something else? I'm not sure. It's a double one. <laughs> All right. Don't leave us, Laurel. Don't ever leave us. <laughs> patch in the middle of the night you've missed trick-or-treat and now you're going to miss the halloween party what a way to spend halloween 